Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Dream. Chapter 3 of Fungus and Flies And so I walk on into a land of giants Giant trees, giant brush, giant fungi, giant fauna A world believed to be extinct But which presents itself in grandiose wonder mocking me with its scale, terrifying in its sentient glory. The trees are ancient things, planted at the dawn of creation with boughs as wide as city streets, gnarled and knotted as individual branches escape and fight to scratch the sky. Roots not like fibrous cables turn to tangled weeds. Leaves sprout from trunks like natural skyscrapers, exploding into great umbrellas of mauve and crimson and verdant before gracefully sailing down to land around me, as though time works differently here and I am privy to the season's cycle, 
each spellbinding phase shifting in an instant. Blades of grass stroke up to my chin, each dagger sharp and honed. A small blotch of blood stains my fingers from my first experimentation into the forest, and I learn not to follow my curiosity with physical touch. Fungus, unlike any that I have ever seen, makes me wonder if I have joined my brother in his fever dreams, and I'm experiencing some form of hallucinogenic episode. They are domed and glistening, mountainous like the cresting backs of whales, luminous as nightsticks, sporting fronds that wave at me and coax me to them as I restrain and briskly walk past, resisting their spraying spores that stink so sickeningly sweet of cotton candy, my father's rosebed, my mother's bosom. Each inhalation dizzies my senses as I place one foot in front of the other and walk on, afraid of what might happen were I to lose my sensibilities, if I may indeed be so bold as to assume that that was an eventuality still to come not one which I had already fallen prey. Above me, great beasts stalk, too enormous for comprehension. Insectoid legs from terrifying arthropods stab the ground as translucent underbellies pass overhead, organs animated and throbbing in jellied stomachs, blurring out sunlight, starlight, moonlight. Upon my first entry into this absurd new section of experience, I felt my heart might stop. Then I may be struck instantly dead and become one with the forest. But already I have learned that I am as insignificant to them as maybe the ant life that swarm my feet in a meadow on an August day. I think a lot of my brother as I walk. The real one. Not the horrid rabbit brother creation of this realm. Wonder where he may be. On occasion, I fancy I detect him ahead of me, teasing the fringes of my vision's reach. Yet with each concentrated stare, I see only more foliage. There is no discernible path to follow, and so I realise the chances of my pursuit finishing in success are slim. Yet what else must I do but journey onward and trust in hope? Although I had experienced absurd calamities that I never once would have felt would before me, I've thus far survived. And a possible tumble into the gullet of Old Nobly, a cavern of cultists, a gelatinous monstrosity, an ocean of my own creation, the finding of my fish father, and the escape of the titanic sea creature were adventures I could never have imagined. And yet, here I am. I'm survived. A soft buzzing hums in the distance. I hunt for its source and am once again blind to my own curiosity. The ground is hard, and I find I must now pay extra attention to avoid chasms of cracks and breaks below me, so as not to roll an ankle or fall prey to the hungry earth. I leap, skip, jump, treating the way ahead as a chalked-out hopscotch sketched into the playground's asphalt, and as I skirt the great boughs of a breed of tree I have never seen, the forest opens into a great hollow. Sunlight breaks the sky, warming my cheeks. The sky is a melted rainbow. Mottled dashes of colour, twisting and dancing as oil in the puddles of a rain-soaked London street. The colossal insectoid guardians give this place a wide berth, and as I enter into the hollow's heart, I begin to see the symmetry to the place that led me here on that dark and rainy night. 
many centuries ago. Old Nobly stands in the distance, rooted and as enormous as Everest to a fly, his great knotted eyes hunting and scanning for what I do not know. The mouth I had tumbled into is now a size beyond description and is twisted into a toothy grin that freezes my blood and gives me cause for alarm. The humming is louder here. I glance over my shoulder and find the way now barred by a tree that could only have shuffled towards me in a manner that staggers comprehension. Stretching in either direction are brother and sister trees that embrace each other like the fence posts of a titan's garden. And with a heavy sigh, I relinquish to the forest and embrace my fate. There is no turning back. But there is now a path. As grasses grow taller around me and bar my view of old Nobly, I am both relieved and terrified. Though I am hidden from his watchful gaze, I begin to wonder if the grasses are his minions, the trees his foot soldiers. Am I wandering through a conspiracy designed to end me and shut down this nightmarish dream once and for all? And, oh, the humming. It rages around me like some vengeful thing, growing louder and louder until all that I know is that marrow-deep vibration of my soul that prickles my skin and leaves me breathless. I feel its song in my teeth. It rattles each unsteady step, and just as I'm about to scream, the first of their order emerges before me. It appears in a sudden flash of movement and colour, darting towards me, stinger first. A wasp, or so my naive mind forces me to believe until I am recovered from my swift dive into the dusty earth and find more of them flocking my now-prone form, clouding the sky. This strange drove of wasps, with wings that should belong to bats, flesh not soft, but crisp and overbaked, and oh, so many legs for such a creature to bear. They hover in colours of rigor mortis, float with no discernible facial features, where there should be eyes are only more mouths. And in the gaps between mimic lips, ululating tongues are short appendages that could only be described as tentacles that sniff and taste and scent the air. Leading the train of legs and limbs are clasping claws that call back memories of mantids and shrimps once witnessed in the classroom textbook. And before I have a chance to further assess their anatomy, they are charging once again. This time I scream. And I absurdly wonder if old Nobly can hear me, if it even matters. I race forward, zigzagging between their number, darting between clusters of grass as they drop from the sky and rain down on me, doggedly fixed in their purpose, hungry for a morsel, famished for a feast. My naked feet propel me forward, the grasses have opened, creating a labyrinth of unintelligent design. I swiftly turn left, as three of them tear by in a fevered pitch of vibration. Yet this avoidance does not give me further courage. They are above me, some moving faster to block the path ahead. I twist right, grasping a blade of grass to assist the pirate, and find my hand now blood-soaked and shredded to soft tissue. A satisfying smacking of mouths conjures from behind, and a quick glance over my shoulder shows me half a dozen of these nightmares gather to the glistening crimson that stains the blade, drawn like sharks and delivered to their desire. Ahead of me, one of the creatures awaits, stalking along the ground on its train of legs. It rears up, 
fills my vision. Hot tears burn my eyes, and as I scream, it stabs a bracken-thing leg at my torso. I twist, a slice opening along my navel, shredding cloth and pinking skin. Its satisfied shriek causes me to dizzy, causes my legs to tremble. One knee buckles. The creature's second strike sails over my head. I grab a handful of dust and hurl it at the creature, clouds of grit and soil finding a bed within its mouths. It chokes, staggers, reluctantly allows passage. I skirt its body, assaulted with the scent of primordial woodland and forgotten things, and find myself once more lost in a labyrinth of emerald daggers. An idea strikes as I choose my pivots, my hand throbbing with pain as I pour a splatter of my blood on each blade I pass. They buzz frantically somewhere behind me, wet slurping and smacking kisses frolicking over my inner juices until the buzzing begins to rescind and I am left running blindly into a nowhere of my own creation. I afford myself another glance and can only make out a few of their number hovering in the skies, fighting over an item I cannot see. I slow, walk backwards. Heel catches rock, I tumble into a descent that wasn't reality a moment ago. The world becomes a dizzying blur of green and brown as I roll downhill, arms pinwheeling for purchase, each knock against soil enough to force a grunt and gasp and moan. My skull smacks against something unyielding, sending flashes of white blossoms into my vision. My hand reaches for something, anything to gain purchase, and instead comes away further blooded. The buzzing is a steady beat, soft and distant but its diminishing brings me no peace as I trail away, gathering speed, knocked and bruised, tumbling, ever tumbling, until I'm tumbling no longer. I cannot say for how long I lie there, face in the dirt. The forest taints my tongue and my body aches beyond comprehension. I'm afraid to move, head filled with rattling bones and embering coals, in my mind's eye, I see Henry at my side, hand on my shoulder, calling for our parents. I see mother and father's panic-stricken faces as father lifts me, cradles me to his bosom, and sets me into bed. By candlelight, he reads to me. By moonlight, mother nurses me. Henry never leaves, a faithful dog by my side. I am home. I am safe. And in this dream of mine, the world is right. The world is returned, and I am known. It does not do to dwell on dreams, Alice. I raise my head to find the source of the voice, but instead find myself peering through blurred eyes at a mushroom farm drained of all colour but that of thatch and straw. They rise around me, cupped and fat and eukaryotic. The sudden wash of dreary mono, enough to vacuum my breath. Attached to the umbrella of each fungus, I spy cocoons, strung from neat webbing, the bodies of each like the flaking skin of a leper's back. Large and bulbous and swaying gently in a breeze, I cannot feel on my broken skin. I mask a scream, clap a bloodied hand to my lips, taste copper and iron. It would do you well not to rouse them. They are hungry when they awake. It's in their cold. Fly and feast. Feast and fly. All great creatures 
serve the eye. I deftly ease myself from the ground, hunting for the talking creature, and find what I'm looking for a short distance above. Its bulbous weight causing the cap of the fungus to droop towards me as though presenting itself in a mournful bow to a powerful queen. You are lost. The creature states it not as a question, and its surety heats my insides. My lips flap like a starved fish, struggling to find words when faced with such absurdity. I fear that I may at last be going mad, knowing somewhere deep in my heart of hearts that swollen, segmented nymphs should not be capable of speech, knowing that this bloated wasp lava should have neither tongue nor eye nor mouth nor intelligence to look down upon me and cast its judgment, should not be wearing the face of my lost dog, Howard. Canine-like, but set into an insect's body. Floppy ears and a protruding muzzle. Keen eyes and a hanging tongue. Gentle reams of smoke rise around it, casting the creature in a foggy haze, and it is only then that I see that a gentle flame burns around its hefty rear, as though this monstrosity is made of paper and is gently crisping into its final stages of destruction. I know what it is that you see. The nymph that is not Howard says. For it is the very thing that all creatures of this land seek to claim. A key, if you will, into another way of being. What are you? Mad, Alice. The creature doesn't blink. It leers down at me with a curiosity that I return and I am hardly aware of the countless brother and sister cocoons that sway rhythmically around us. I look down at my feet, caked in dust and dirt and dried blood. One toenail hangs on by a strand. Flesh hangs off my hands and arms like ribbon, yet no pain raises alarm. I want to go home. Where is home? I consider his question. Realize I cannot answer it. Stay mute. The grotesque canine lava shifts, twisting its ember-laced stomach to the sky. The flames eat away at its paunch, a dance of concentric circles slowly working to its edges. I smell charred popcorn and melted bonbons. Home is relative, the canine lava says. For some, home is the stead in which they are born. For others, they know the truth of the cosmos. That home is the stardust in us all. An existent remained for millennia. Life has no roof, only vacuous space in which you float away your troubles into nebulae and galaxies. That sounds so big. It is big. The canine lava agrees. And yet, isn't it also the smallest truth known to all that have gained sentience? It sighs, grimaces against the burning flames that swell and spread across its papery flesh. Wonderland is a bottle, Alice. A glass cage in which all things inside must dwell. And so, 
Those whom are trapped inside long for an escape. Our contents poured into the limitless pool. There is one key to unlock this door, and it would serve you well to find it before others realize their own success. The book. I breathe. The canine lava nods, the folds of its neck attempting to constrict its movement. I search the hundreds upon thousands of suspended cocoons, see the forms of more of these creatures inside, brains moulding into a hive-like intelligence that might also be seeking the pages of this fabled tome. Wonder where to tread, to hone my compass and find the thing I am bound to seek. It is buried, the canine lava says once more reading thoughts before they metamorphose to words. The dawn of life begins with the dusk of death. The Necronomicon lies lost in a home of rattling bones and screaming souls. It points with its gaze towards a path I do not see. Find the book, Alice. Find it before she lays claim. There are worse things in life than death. In the blurring of two worlds, armed by its pages, she may claim dominion. That is the fate that even the great I does not wish to endure. I have heard tell of this great I, I reply. I've seen its reverence beheld in the creatures of your world. Can you tell me what it is? The canine lava smiles a crooked smile, revealing stringing gums devoid of teeth. Your time grows short, Alice, bringer of ends. I hear the gush of flapping wings, great sails beaten against an endless sky, and I look to the cocoons for answers. They are still now frozen in a timeless tableau. The canine lava lets out a throttled cackle, and as I look to him I see the sky darken above, a cloud of colossal birds beating wings against the gusty currents. Dread drains what little colour remains in my cheeks, and as I set my feet to running, I can already tell that something is wrong. I am an insignificant feast-turned-hunt for these new birds that flock and swarm towards me, down into these fungal fields. Before I get far at all, the first of their number crashes into the mushroom forest, snaps the neck of several cups of mushrooms as it tumbles with a greedy satisfaction onto the dirt. Another crashes to land, bringing to my imagination the great meteors that reset the world an age before. Only, instead of rock and geology, I find creatures of membrane and midnight black that stretch great wings Unlike the waspish beings encountered in this nightmarish place, their faces are bare and plain, just a stretch of void-like skin that claims the dome of their heads. As the first of their landed number unfurls, I see a bipedal monstrosity, with human-like arms and legs capped with serrated claws. A long tail whips behind the creature, and it is then that the fearful tales of my father are realised and turned true. Early to bed. Wake with the dew, else the fearful night gaunts will come for you. It is them. 
the night gorks. Fabled creatures of folklore and legend turned reality. I can hardly blink or focus, only shudder and shake as I recall sleepless nights, tossing and turning in the dark, seeing their shape in the shadows of my bedroom. A harmless tale, or so my father must have believed, but one that exacted the opposite reaction to its desired effect. I had seen them before, through the eyes of a more juvenile mind, and though I had screamed and cried and demanded my father leave me a light source to sleep by, they had never truly retreated from my infantile imaginings. For here they are, birthed from my nightmares. This I knew with a sudden alarming clarity, kept alive and fueled by the twisted worries and concerns of my darkest fears. First, they seem unconcerned with the frail little girl, forcing slow steps to retreat from their number. Their focus honed on the breaking and destruction of the many cocoons, as powerful claws tear shells and free half-formed wasp things from their bindings. Wet strings and strange plasma slimes the twisted malformations as they hit the ground with a moist smack, and the night gaunts flock the carcasses to devour and feed. There is no screech of declaration from the gaunts, no satisfied cry or call. They are deathly still and silent, and as I pray and wish to be anywhere but here, scream noiseless pleas from my limbs to play servant to my whims and wills, I watch in horror as three gaunts coordinate to claim my flaming canine lava guide. Grasping appendages that stretch like taffy in each hand, they beat their massive wings and carry the lava into the sky. Higher, ever higher they rise, the canine larva on a bungee cord of its own organs, climbing skyward, expressionless, and sending reams of smoke around this twisted image. When it seems that they can fly no higher, they communicate without word and simultaneously release their grip on their baggage. The canine larva gathers speed, its great body whistling towards the ground, the flames erupting and devouring the fuel of oxygen. Its eyes are closed. A serene grace that tells me that this was always written in the stars, that all moments would have led to this, and it is only when its body crashes into the ground, finds a landing place among the waiting, feasting gaunts, that the world erupts and changes, and I am turned to flee. Flames blossom, spawn from the destructed body of the nymph, and pulse from the source in perfect circles of pain and flames. The surrounding fungus falls first, fire latching onto their stalks, igniting the remaining cocoons. Heat throbs towards me, the night gaunt seemingly unaffected as they launch themselves skyward and gaze down upon the harvest fields with rapid, expressionless stares. They warble in the flame as the conflagration grows. Black plumes of thick smoke funnel into the sky, taint the air, cover me with soot and choke my throat, and I am running, running fleeing into an unknown place where the path may lead. I turn full attention to my plight, and beat feet against a ground that bites and scratches my soles, blink against stinging heat as ash swarms me, wondering where all of this might lead, and where it is that I am yet to go. See my brother's true face in the smoke. See it coalesce and dissolve, coalesce and swim. See it in the foreground, and all that is the horizon as the crackle of the pyre eats at shroom forest and the night gaunts recover from their extinction event. Flame-tip wings illuminated like necrotic fireflies that spot their prey and hurry to dine. I navigate the stalks of flaming fungi, 
skin slick with sweat, using what remains of their umbrellas as cover. It is only when I can run no longer from my silent predators that I clutch a hand to my chest and tears begin to flow. Sobs rack my stomach, and as warm tears hiss against the heated ground, I wonder if escape lies once more in these salty droplets. I watch them fertilise the forest floor, dry cracked earth drinking hungrily and leaving only dust and the ghost of a patch behind. I can no longer see the gaunts, but I can feel their presence, and as darkness closes in I realise that this is not darkness at all, but their collective mass hovering above me, doming me in as the flames continue to feast and I am herded. My stomach rumbles at the smell of the world. Sweet like honeysuckle, salted like roast pork. My mouth involuntarily fills with saliva, and before I know what it is my body does, I dig in my nails and pluck a portion of the fungal canopy above. As the oppressive ghoulish huddle closes in, I mash raw mushroom between my teeth, before they land silently on the ground, stalking ever closer, long tails swishing an aggravating flame. I have swallowed my morsel. And, in an instant, all the world changes. We hope you enjoyed this special Halloween episode of The Other Stories. Find out more about us and join our exclusive community at theotherstories.net. Dream was written by Daniel Wilcox with audio production by Jimmy Horrors. Georgia Cook plays the role of Alice. Justin Fife plays the role of Canine Nymph. With theme music provided by Duncan Muggleton and artwork by creativeparameter.com. For a full list of contributors, including contact links and further information, check out the show notes of this episode. Finally, a special thank you to this episode's sponsors, Shadow and Spice Book Box, quarterly subscription boxes for lovers of fantasy, horror, and dark romance. Sign up now at bookboxcanada.com. And Eerie River Publishing, an independent publishing house specializing in dark fantasy and horror. Find out more at eerieriverpublishing.com. The Other Stories is a production of the story studio Hawk and Cleaver, and is brought to you with a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. Don't change it, Don't sell it, but by all means, share the heck out of it.